Welcome to River City Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co. Tonight we're going to be, uh, it's, it's always hard continuing a series when you haven't done it in three weeks. But we're kind of on part two. Uh, it, you don't have to have gone to part one uh, of unhealthy uh, to catch that. That was a very pastoral message. Tonight's going to be a little bit more of a prophetic message. But they both relate to this idea. Uh, last, last uh, not last week, three weeks ago, uh, we did have that uh, that podcast is up on uh, it is up on our podcast. If you missed that message, but tonight we're going to look at healthy people dream. Healthy people dream. We're going to be in Psalm one twenty six. Psalm one twenty six. Uh, and I shared Sunday morning, uh, if you missed that as well, I'd encourage you to listen to it, just a message for uh, what I believe God is, is saying for us as a church for this new year, uh, and you know, we know that God is opening doors, we're believing for uh, doors to be open in lives in our families, our community, our, our businesses and ministry, and, and as River City Church, that God would open a door for us to reach even more people for Jesus. Uh, so, so, but one of the things that has to happen in our lives is God, uh, you know, God wants to get us healthy so that we can be more effective. One, we, we want to grow in our relationship with God. Healthy things grow, and that starts with our own walk with Jesus. So at the beginning of this year, you know, this change into a new year uh, is kind of a time where a lot of people evaluate uh, maybe habits, personal areas of life where things may not be healthy. Uh, they want it either physically or financially. They begin to set goals, and, you know, I think it's so important that we start with Jesus in every area of our life. That's, that's, that's a good place to be again. Thank you, two of you. Jesus is a good place to begin in everything. Uh, so we're going to look at this. Psalm 126, uh, verse 1, is a song of ascents. There are several, as you've heard me mention before, song of ascents. These are uh, psalms that would be spoken as the priests would ascend the steps of the temple. As they would be, uh, as tradition has it, they would take a step up, and as they would do that, they would recite and sing and declare these songs, uh, these psalms of worship to God. And they were, they were psalms that oftentimes would live Lift the heart to God. Lift the focus. Remind them of all that God has done. This one came actually much later in Israel's history. Uh, and this was actually after their exile, after the first temple had been destroyed, and after God brought back Israel uh, into their homeland, and they began rebuilding a new temple, a new house. And so Psalm 126.1 says, When the Lord brought back the captive ones, the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream." Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. They said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Even the lost, even the world was witnessing at what God was doing with his people. The Lord has done great things for us. Now they're declaring it themselves and we are glad. Bring back, now they're shifting in focus to intercession, to prayer, to, to both celebrating what God has done, but also praying and believing for more and full restoration. So they say, bring back our captivity, bring back the captive ones, O Lord, as the streams in the south, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. 
Uh, he, he starts this, this is from the New King James, but it says in the, the very first verse, he says, we were like those who dream. Uh, some translations say it was like a dream when we came back. In other words, it was almost incomprehensible, all that God had done in rescuing us and saving us and bringing us out of captivity. Israel's story began with God uh, giving a promise to Abraham that from him the nations of the world would be blessed and that God would bring forth a covenant people, that would be Israel. And they were in Egypt for four centuries. God delivered them by his power and might from the Egyptians, from slavery. He brought them into their promised land as he had spoken to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And while they're in their promised land, God warned them that to, to stay faithful and not turn to other gods because a pursuit of other gods would lead them down a road of death and destruction and even separation. And ultimately, we know their story. That's what happened. And what the result of that, after generations and generations of turning to other gods and trusting in other things, they ended up finding themselves captives in Babylon. But that wasn't the end of the story because God promised to bring them back home. God promised to bring them back wherever they were. And I can tell you that no matter how far you've gone, God can bring you home. No matter how far you've been, no matter what you've done, God can bring you back to his purpose. God can bring you into his, uh, God specializes in it, in fact. He's a God of restoration. He's a God of redemption. That's the story, the good news of Jesus, is that God sent his son to redeem us and purchase us so that we could be set free from our own Egypt, our sin, our captivity. And when he rescued us, we were filled with joy, just like these captives who have been set free. We're filled with the joy that comes from knowing Jesus as our Savior and Lord of our lives. And they say, we were like those who dream. See, something happens when you are unhealthy. It becomes increasingly difficult to dream. And I don't mean that you have dreams at night when you go to sleep, you add, eat bad pizza, and you, know, you feel like you're falling down in the Grand Canyon. I mean, like, you're, you have hope, you have expectation, you have anticipation, you're believing for something good. A, a hope is a, a, an anticipation of good in your life because you know who your God is. But when we're unhealthy, and, and I've got this list of, of things I mentioned a couple weeks ago about areas that God wants to bring us into health, and it starts with our spiritual life. It begins with our relationship with God. God wants our, do we have that slide? God wants our relationship with him healthy, and it starts with our spiritual life. See, a lot of people flip this order in any different way. They mix it up, but it has to start with Jesus. It has to start with God. If my heart isn't right, if my walk with God isn't right, then nothing else falls quite the way into place the way it should. But when I, when I set the order, when I put Jesus first, when I seek first his kingdom, then he begins to help me set other things. He begins to help me in each of these areas. The next is emotional health. We looked at that a few weeks ago. We need to be emotionally healthy, not bound by fear, not bound by shame, not bound by all these things that cause people to be in personal turmoil. We need to be set free from that. Jesus came to set us free. He came to save us, but also to free us. We get emotionally healthy. We become physically healthy as we, you know, sometimes I just need to go take a nap, you know. The reason I'm in a bad mood is not just because I, you know, am in spiritual warfare. It's sometimes I just need a nap. How many believe that? Okay, thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> we, we need to be relationally healthy. This is important. I think some people miss this step, too. Because we can go after, we, we can be, we can have everything right personally and be sabotaging and destroying all these relationships around us. 
So, so I can love Jesus, and, and that's where we start, but, but the Bible tells us that how we treat people is a reflection of our love for God. So I can't say I love God and then hate people. Okay. Uh, so relationships are important, and then financial health as well. And so all these areas, when they become healthy, and it starts with putting them, and God's Word helps us in every one of these areas. You know, if you've never read the book of Proverbs, I challenge you to do this. For 21 days in the, book, in the month of January, read the book of Proverbs. It helps with every one of these areas. If you want something real practical, read the book of Proverbs and, let, and put it into practice and watch God begin to help you set in order each one of these areas and begin to develop health in them. But this is so important. So the word for dream in Hebrew here, where it says we're like those who dream, it's a word that means to recover, to make healthy or be strong, and to be powerful. So it comes from a root word that's uh, to bind firmly together, so to, to tie together. And, 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 and here's the picture, that when we become healthy first in our walk with God, we, we, we are made right with God through Jesus, and then we, as a Christian, then walk out daily relationship with God. That we walk with Jesus every day. When I'm walking with Jesus every day, when I'm in his word, when I'm praying, when I'm worshiping, when I'm drawing near to God, it begins to create a space. And we just sing about making room for God. That's how we do that. When we stay connected in relationship and fellowship with each other in church and all these different things. If I'm not as close to God as I've been before, then something's unhealthy. So I want to reevaluate. How do I draw close to Jesus again? How do I get near to God? And, and it's not hard. It's not difficult. We make room for him in our lives. And that happens every single day. And so when we do that, we become healthy. The result of that is we, see, see, here's, when something is unhealthy, we begin to look through a, kind of like I describe it as a filter. So if my life is bound by, uh, let me give you an example. Let's say I'm bound by bitterness. Uh, and then everything in my life begins to come through a filter of bitterness. If I don't let Jesus heal me of that and set me free of bitterness, then I'm going to begin to allow my relationships to become affected by that. My emotions, my, my walk with, all of those things become to be, begin to be affected by that. When I, when I live with unhealed wounds, as we saw a few weeks ago, when I live with unhealed wounds, I begin to look through life from a wounded place. That's why a lot of people, you know, have heard the expression, hurt people hurt people. It's absolutely true. Because when, when we don't get healing... When I'm healed, I, I, God, I become a, a filter-free conduit for God to use to help other people. But if I stay wounded, I'm going to be wounding other people. There's a whole lot of people who've been wounded by the church, but it wasn't Jesus that wounded them. It was a bunch of people who had a, had, had a lot of unresolved issues. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so, so the good news is God wants to help us with that, and I think he wants to make us more and more healthy so that we can, be, we can represent Jesus well. Okay, so number one, healthy hearts start dreaming. I've just found this to be true, that the moment I begin to, no matter what I've been walking through, dealing with, when I begin to turn to Jesus, and I begin to set aside time with God, God begins to, he begins to speak purpose, life, promise, and I've even had some seasons in my life where I go, God, that doesn't make sense. Don't you know, like, what I'm dealing with right now? I want to throw in the towel. I'm, 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 I'm struggling in this area or that. Area. And God's wanting to speak promise to me to get me unstuck. Okay. See, when you get alone with Jesus, something happens. Uh, David, David uh, killed Goliath. And then David... After he has to flee from King Saul, because King Saul is an example of a leader who was unhealthy, 
and he was had personal insecurity, and insecure people have to control other people. Insecure people have to wound other people to make themselves look and feel better. And so he tries to attack David. Rather than getting his own relationship with God straight, he goes after David. He blames David. Some of us are blaming other people in our life, and really we just need to get some things worked out with Jesus. Okay, maybe it is more pastoral tonight. We'll just see. I don't know. <laughs> And, and, and so here's, here's where David is. David flees. He doesn't retaliate against Saul. He flees. And while he's alone, suddenly all these other guys start gathering around him. And they, they're in debt, in distress, discontented. They're unhealthy in all those areas. Financially, emotionally, spirit, like they're, but they get around David, who's a giant slayer. And eventually, being in the presence of the giant slayer turns them into giant slayers. They become mighty men. They become warriors for God. They, be, they begin to do what David did. David raises up worshipers and warriors. He starts, because there's something about proximity that actually changes you. So the more time I'm with Jesus, I can't help but become more like him. <laughs> okay. And when you get around Jesus, do you know, do you know Jesus is the most hope-filled person? I, I, I know Preachers have given the wrong idea. <laughs> Jesus is not concerned with what's going on on the news. He's, he's not scared. He's not, you know, he, he's not going, I didn't see this coming. You know, I, I don't have a, a plan. You know, there, do you know there is no plan B? <laughs> he didn't have a plan B. He, there is no need for a plan B. Uh, and, and the church doesn't have a plan B either. We go into all the world. That's what he told us to do. Okay. So healthy hearts start dreaming. Uh, Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when I've had consistent disappointment or delay, if I don't know how to deal with that, the result will be my heart will become sick. So I've seen discouragement take more people out than probably anything else. And so, so hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. When the desire comes. Now, it, this can be read a couple different ways. And it can be read, one, that when the answer, the fulfillment, or whatever the dream is that needs to happen. But I, but I also just want to just say simply, when you get that desire back, you start dreaming again, it's a tree of life. It's going to be what feeds you and sustains you for the distance. See, see we've got to we, stop feeding on your disappointment, start feeding on God's word. Start reminding yourself of what God has said. You know, if you're looking at hope deferred in your family, you thought your family would be different now. You thought this person would be serving Jesus. You thought your marriage would look different. You thought this would... Stop focusing only on what's not happening and focus on what God has promised you. Focus on what Jesus has said. It's not trying to pretend like the negative's not there. You know, I'm just going to think good thoughts. No, you've got to set your eyes on Jesus because he's the one who... He's the tree of life. And he feeds us, strengthens us, and he's the only way we're going to make it. I've lived this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. So disappointment does not have to frame your life as a believer. Discouragement doesn't have to frame it. So, so let's just make it as simple as this. When we pray, and if just because you prayed for something and didn't see it happen yet, don't let that disconnect your prayer life. Sometimes, I don't know what it is about us. Like we put all our eggs in one basket. 
Like, for God to be God, he's got to answer this one thing this one way. Here's what I want to encourage you. In 2022, I want you to have a couple things that you really, like, hone in on, but, but don't, don't just make it about that one thing. Are, are you with me? So I want you to target some people and start praying for them and, and maybe believing for breakthrough in a, a certain area of your life. Start praying for that. Let God give you his dream. Let him birth and awaken something on the inside of you. But, but here's what I, you know, don't, don't just pray about one thing. Pray about a hundred things. And watch God begin to fulfill each one of them. <laughs> okay. Um, Proverbs 29, 18. Where there's no vision, the people perish. New King James says it this way. Um, where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. So, so when I don't have a dream for my future with God, if I don't see a future, I'll always go back to my past. If I don't see a way forward, I'll always return to the thing that I used to be bound by. That's why disappointment and discouragement takes a lot of people out. And so this is so huge. We, we've got to recognize, I've got to stake, I've got to constantly set Jesus before me. Looking unto Jesus, he says in Hebrews 12. Sometimes that means I've got to look away from one thing to look to him. Okay. In Abraham's story, I want you to see this. Genesis 15, if we can put that on the screen. Genesis 15, 1. Uh, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. This is, you know, Father Abraham, many sons. I won't sing it for you. Um, But before he had many sons, and you and I were one of them, uh, (laughs) the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I'm your reward. Uh, Just to set the context real quick, the king of Sodom made him an offer. And said, uh, hey, I'm going to give you all the, the spoils of, of the battle that had just happened in the previous chapter. He says, I just want the people. He actually says the souls. But that's, that's a whole other sermon. And, and Abraham says, I'm, I don't want your stuff. Sodom representing the world. He says, I don't want your stuff because I don't want you to say that, you, that like, I owe you something. Or that you were my source. And that Abraham, right after he has that conversation, has a different conversation with God that I think is just as important. He, he, he recognizes what isn't his source, but he needs to remember what is his source. God says to him, I'm your shield. Don't be afraid. You know, in that time, to make it, to survive, you had to make covenants and alliances with your neighbors. And God's saying, you don't need to worry about Sodom being on your side. I'm on your side. I'm your shield. I'm your defense. I'm your protector. You know, the same is true today. I, I think a lot of people are being shaken, and the reason they're being shaken is because what we've relied on is being exposed. Is he our shield, or are we depending on some other source? He says, I'm your shield, I'm your reward. I'm the reward. That's God himself speaking to Abram, and Abram said, okay, God, I know, but I've got this hope deferred thing going on. I, I, I know God. I know you're. Um, I know you're my reward. I get it. I've sing. I sing about it on Sundays. Um, he says, "But Lord, what are you going to give me? Seeing I have no child, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus." So, so God's promising to be there for Abraham, and Abraham's immediate response is the same response for most of us. 
there's that one thing we haven't seen. Well, God, if you were really good, you would have done it this way. And he says, I, 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 what are you going to do for me, God? <laughs> I don't have a child. I don't have an heir. Like, I appreciate it, but I, I've got this unresolved issue. And God spe- speaks to him. Here's what he says. He says, this one, Eleazar, his servant, he's not going to be your heir. But one that's going to come from your own body will be your heir. And he brought him outside because he's in a tent when he's having this conversation with God. He's got a ceiling blocking his view, the, the roof of the tent. Here's what it says. Look now towards heaven. God tells him, look up at the stars. See if you're able to count them all. He says, so will your descendants be. And it says that Abraham, this is, this is one of the most important verses connecting Old and New Testaments because of our faith and the example of our faith. This is why Father Abraham, <laughs> you, know, the whole, you know the song. And, and so, but here's what he says. It, he believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Do you know what makes believers believers? Not that we go to church, not that we've memorized our Bible, and that's all good, uh, but that we believe like, I can, I can agree mentally with my church's doctrinal statement, but not be believing. Present tense. Because I've got a bunch of this hope-deferred stuff. And I, and I stop praying like I used to. I stop dreaming like I used to. I start developing a theology of why God doesn't do X, Y, and Z today. Or why he won't use me in this way, or why he won't work in that person's life. And I begin, to, I begin to put God in a box, and God says to Abraham, and I believe it's his invitation to all of us, step outside. Stop looking at the limitations, start looking at what's possible with me. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't even heard what is, or has even entered in the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. That's you and that's me. So I haven't even thought of what God's got planned. Number two, God has great things planned for his people. That was part of the song. God has done great things for us. And I know we use the word great and we use the word awesome uh, very, you know, casually. Uh, we we kind of water down language by using it for lesser things. But if I can just kind of take a step back for a second and hopefully recapture something. You know, if I say this cheeseburger is great, unless I'm talking about in and out Burger. I got some California people in the room. Okay. But, but if, if I'm saying something is great, that's fine. But if, if I say it's awesome, that may be fine. It may mean I like this, and I use that casually. But I want to give you something. Exodus 34, look at this. God's speaking to his people. He says, behold, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Before all the people, before all your people, I will do marvels such as not been done in all the earth. This is God speaking nor in any other nation, and all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. Now listen to this next statement, because this is God saying this. (laughs) For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. that's, That's not a little thing. He says, it's if God says it's awesome, if God says it's great, Hope deferred wants to lower our view of God 
wants to get us to live for yesterday, say stuck in our past, or sell our future for something temporary today. Joshua, as he's preparing the people to go into Israel, he gives us instructions. He says, sanctify ourselves for tomorrow. God's going to do something awesome. He's going to do wonders among you. Why would he tell him? What does it mean to sanctify? Does it mean set yourself apart? Do you know what we're doing for 21 days? We're setting ourselves apart to see God. When you take time every day to go be with Jesus, no matter what it is, whether you can spend hours or you can just spend a little bit of time, but your time with Jesus is so important. When you're with Jesus, when you set that, you're setting yourself apart for God. And I'm telling you, it's never wasted. Time with God is never wasted. This is an awesome thing I'm going to do. And I believe God's going to do an awesome thing with each one of us as we say yes to Jesus. Two more points before we go. Number three, believe God for full restoration. See, as, as he was saying, going back to the Psalm, Psalm 126, he said, he said, bring back your captivity, O God. He started out with celebrating how God had brought them back, but now he's turning his attention in prayer, and he's crying out to God. He's saying, God, there's still more. There's still more who haven't come home. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm thankful to have Jesus in my life. Are you thankful for Jesus? But there's still more that don't know him yet. And, and so there's still, there's still more for God to do with you. There's still more, God that, the more, more that God has planned. And so when he says, I, I like the King James version of this. I don't quote from the King James very often. You know, verily, verily. They'll understand. But, but here's what he says. Watch this. He says, turn again. In King James, he says, turn again, your captivity. Turn again. It's like you and I saying, God, you saved before, save again. You healed before, heal again. You set free before, heal, set free again. What, what does God want to do in your life? Let's keep praying and believing for full restoration. He actually uses this language. He says, like the rivers from the south, the streams from the south. You probably don't remember. I, I read that in the beginning. And he says that because he's, the southern regions were dry places until it was the time for the harvest, and then the streams would come, and they'd bring refreshing to dry ground. And that's what he's praying for. That's what he's asking for, that the dry places, that they would have restoration completely. The fourth and final point is this. There will be a harvest. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. I know for some people, even in our church family, this year, the last couple years, have taken more than they've given. But when you, he, he says, let me go back to this. I want you to catch this, Psalm 126. This is important. Those who sow in tears. You know, there's a, natural process of recognizing what hasn't happened, what's been lost, grieving over what should have been different. That's natural. But, but we never stay there. They, they didn't just mourn over what they had lost before the captivity. 
but they recognized in God bringing them back, God had something new planned. So I want you to catch this. Um, Verse 5, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing. He's describing somebody who has lost but hasn't stopped. Who's grieved but hasn't stopped. Who's mourning but hasn't stopped. And and, and some weep because of what's lost. Some weep in recognizing they need a, a, a change. The Bible calls that godly sorrow. It's recognizing, God, I've, 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 I've missed the mark. I need you. That's what repentance does. It causes me to awaken to the condition as it is, but it turns me to God. And so, so here's, here's what he says. Bearing seed for sowing, that's important. It's not just that we go weeping, but that we actually do something in the midst. We don't stop. We keep sowing. See, see a lot of people say, I have nothing but... I have nothing but, you know, there's a, there's a story in the Old Testament. Jason, if you want to get ready. There's a story in the Old Testament of the widow whose husband has died, and he's left a, a tremendous debt. And the debt collectors are coming, not just for unpaid bills, but to pay off the debt, they would require somebody from the family essentially become a slave to pay it off. And she says, the creditors are coming for my two sons. She comes to Elisha. She, she describes the need, and Elisha says, well, what do you want me to do for you? What do you have in your house? She says, I have nothing but a jar of oil. I have nothing but seed. <laughs> I have nothing but my grief. I have nothing but my past. I have nothing but what I've walked through. I have nothing but one or two things to offer to God. I... I, I you know you have seed, and seed is required for there to be harvest. When we plant a seed, one seed in the ground, it can turn into a great crop that produces dozens, sometimes hundreds of seeds. It multiplies. You know what he's describing? He says, you you went out one way, but you're coming back with a harvest. You went out grieving, but you're coming back with joy. You went out and all you had was a jar of oil, but you're coming back full. (laughs) I'm going to pray for you. If you would stand to your feet. He doesn't just say that they are weeping. But he says they're carrying seed for sowing. Sometimes all you have is a dream from God, a promise from God, a prayer. Saying, God, I need this to be different. God, I need your help. God, help me to overcome this addiction. Help me overcome that. Help me to break through here. And all you have is seed. But that's all you need with God. He says, they shall doubtless come back. Can you, you guys in the back? Paul, can you put that back? Verse 6, I think it is. He says, they will doubtless come back. There's no doubt. There's a comeback. (laughs) 
there's, there's no doubt that those who sown in tears, even in 2021, shall reap in joy. Maybe your tears aren't of sadness, but they've been weeping and praying for those in your family, for those around you, praying for this community. <laughs> You're going to doubtless come back. Let's, let's pray. There's, there's something that a God can do with a dream that it doesn't matter. God doesn't take a vote for it. He doesn't even take my vote or your vote even sometimes. <laughs> he just gives you a dream. And when you give God your yes to the dream, God can do what nothing else could do. And, and it's not just any dream. It's got to be a God dream. I don't want to give my life to something less than what God has planned. I, I don't want to live for what I've come up with, even on my best day. I, you know, I, I'm not against five-year plans. I've just never done one. <laughs> I, I, I like God's before the foundation of the world plan. And sometimes... He shows me a little down the road, and sometimes it's just the next step. And I've just got seed in my hand. <laughs> I want to pray for you that God's going to give you as we move into this new year. We're not just changing a date on the calendar. I, you know, there's, there's not something mystical that happens when the calendar change, changes over. That's why New Year's, new Year's resolutions don't always stick. <laughs> But I believe that when we say yes to God, when we, when we make room for God, we actually initiate a new season in our life. This church right here started with a seed, a promise. And I believe in your life, God's going to give you a dream that's not only going to meet needs in your life, but it's also going to change the lives of other people. As we get into this new year, I really want to challenge you to pray, to seek God. If you don't have a God dream, to get a hold of Him. And He's going to begin to show you. And maybe you already have it, but you don't know how. Do you know, do you know the answer to the how is the same way you got the dream in the first place? Go be with Jesus. Joshua is about to conquer the promised land. You know what he does? He encounters the Lord on a hill by Jericho. And Joshua is looking at Jericho thinking, how can I take the city? And the commander of the Lord's armies, that's the Lord, he shows up and he says, I've got a strategy you haven't thought about. I've got a way to do this that you haven't even considered. <laughs> he tells Joshua, go walk around the city seven times. That doesn't make sense. Do you know where he got that plan? And the walls fell? Do you know where he got that? He got that at the feet of, of the Lord. And God's going to give you some plans. He's going to help you. I mean, I, 
Honestly, there's some stuff where I'm like, God, you got to help me with like be a dad today. Like, what do I even do about this? But I've, I've seen it. Got to begin to give strategies and wisdom. And I want you to really take time to pray. But I'm going to pray for you right now that God's going to begin to birth some God dreams in this room. He really is. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Come on, if you're believing for a God dream, either to, to get one or to see God bring it to pass, and you already know a piece of it, a glimpse of it, but just, just lift your hands to God. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you're a God who awakens purpose, awakens your calling, awakens dreams on the inside. God, and I pray right now that we would be healthy first by saying yes to you, Jesus, making room for you, that as we move into this year, we would move without the baggage of last year, without the baggage that's held us back, kept us back, bound us, and kept us from moving forward. God, we forgive, we release, we surrender, we give it all to Jesus, all to Jesus we surrender. And God, we receive your dream. And I thank you, God, right now in this room, there's God dreams being birthed. Business ideas, ministry ideas, wisdom and strategy to reach and impact people around you, wisdom to, to parent, to rebuild a marriage, to see God's purpose fulfilled in your life. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have the answer. You are the we answer. We believe this message will be encouraging and I'm timely. One more thing to connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co.